0: Uh, Let's start with the service this morning. I want to talk to you today as we study and continue in our study through the book of Peter. We came to the next part in chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. But I want to talk to you about the Christian and authority. Oh, this can be a really tricky one for some people. Because some people say because we are Christians, we don't abide by the authority. We've got a higher authority. Who've heard that before? You know, we Christians do not abide by the rule and the law of the land. Well, that will get you into serious trouble. You just go and try it outside, okay? Get in your car and speed down this road that goes past here at 140 kilometers an hour. And we put a police officer down at the end of the road. What will happen? Come on, you tell me. He will pull you over. And what will he say? He will say, Sir, ma'am, you have broken the speed Law. You have broken the rule of law. And what will you say? You'll get out of your car and you say, Well, that doesn't bother me because I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God. And let me tell you, I don't abide by your rules and your laws. What will that police officer say to you? If you go on too heavy, if you, if you push back too hard to him, and if you start pointing your finger to him and say, you are nothing to me, he will say, sir, ma'am, put your hands behind your back, you're under arrest. Amen? Is that what the police officer will do? Why? Because he's upholding the rule of the land, the law of the land. And we as Christians need to abide by that. And this is what Peter is going to talk to us today about. There is certain people in the world, in Christian circles, who wants to build their own kingdom. It's called Kingdom Now Theology. They say, we're going to overtake the governments of the world. We are Christians, and we've got God as our king, and it's true. He's our master. He is the one who gives us the rule. We live by the word of God, and we're going to take over the government. We're going to take over the seven hills or the seven pillars of society. Don't worry about it. Don't go too deep into that. It can confuse your brain if you go too deep into that. There is seven pillars of society, seven mountains they want to go and take over. And soon we world Christians will rule the world. We will rule the world. That's what Pinky said to the brain, isn't it? The song. So what is it? Do we... Uh, do, do we do that? Do we take our banners and we, as Christians, go up to the government and we, we stand with all of our plagues there, placates there and go, we want to rule, we want to rule, we want to take over the government. Is that what we are called to do? Come and you tell me. No, we are not called to do that. So where does the Christian fit in with the authority and the rule of law? Let's open up in your Bibles and find the answer as Peter writes it in. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. Remember last week he said to us, come unto Jesus Christ as the living stone. And you are also built in as living stones into a what? A spiritual house. And we need to live as living stones in this world. You remember that sermon last week? And now he takes it a little bit further. And it's amazing when you study the Word of God that you will see there is a lot of doctrine being taught to us and then there's practical application. And now Peter comes to a practical application how we ought to live as Christians as living stones built into the spiritual house in this world. Because who realized that we are still living in this world? You're, not, you're still in this world. You're not out of this world. You still have to wake up tomorrow morning and go to work if you've got a job. You've got, still got to take out the trash can. If you don't, what's going to happen? It's going to sit there and start stinking. We are living in this world, and there's still day-to-day things we do. So Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable amongst the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. Peter says right there, that there's a war that's raging on against your and my soul a war that's going on and it's amazing my dear friends that we don't read much about this war in the newspapers we read about the bombs that they are putting onto the oil tank now there by iran you you've seen that we read about that and that worries us why does it worry us because it's going to inflate the oil prices and we might have to pay more for our petrol. Is that worrying? Of course it is. We see the wars escalating in Israel. We see the war escalating in Iran, wherever there's wars going on. The newspapers write about this and they want to know what are you going to do about these wars, but there's not a lot been written about this war. The war that the Bible talks about here. He says, the fleshly lust which wars against your soul. There's two parts of this war. The one is fleshly lust and the other one is the soul. What is the definition of lust? To satisfy self at the expense of others. It's all about me. It's this flesh. And now Peter makes a distinction here. He says, this flesh is warring against something which is inside of you. What is that? Your soul. Your soul wants to do good. Your soul is the one who makes the decisions. But your flesh is the one who drives your soul to make the decisions it's making. And those aren't good decisions. And in a war, there is normally casualties, isn't there? If you look at the war, there's normally somebody who dies... This particular war has also got its list of casualties. Think about the alcoholic who's dying of liver cancer caused by alcohol. This is something that comes out of a fleshly lust. You say, oh, don't you preach about that? No, no, let me tell you. Let me tell you, brother and sister, this thing kills people today. It is a war between the fleshly lust and the soul. They say if you preach this from the pulpit in churches, the churches goes empty. And it's true, because there's a war going on. And within the war, there's also propaganda. Propaganda is telling a lie so many times that it sounds like the truth. This is going on, there's casualties of war. What about sexual lust? And these days, AIDS is one of the biggest diseases in the world. It's killing thousands, if not millions of people, thousands of people. What about the diseases coming from sleeping out, sexual lust, promiscuity that's going on in the world? But you see, if you talk about it these days, talk out about it, then you're talking out against people's choices, But this is exactly where the problem lies. The problem is that there is a war from the fleshly lust against the soul. Not a lot of people talk about this war. What about drug overdoses? Have you seen that? Now we are opening up safe places in the city that people can go and safely drug themselves up. What is wrong with the world these days? When was it wrong to have drugs? When when did we stop telling people to abstain, to get away from that? When did we stop to do that? Because it is people's choices, and now we honor people's choices. And here Peter says that there is a war between the flesh and against the soul. Now, what is the best way to fight this war? He says it right there. He said abstain. What does abstain mean? Keep away from it, my sister. Keep away from it. I, uh, I know of a, a man in New Zealand once that I knew. And this man was an alcoholic. And they caught him for the fourth time driving under the influence. And they put him into jail. And the first time when he came out, he went to a Christian's house. And what did they offer him? Alcohol. Not knowing about this war. You see, we see all of the things happening around us, but we never focus on the things that's destroying people. And we stop talking about it because it's not fashionable to talk about it anymore in church. It's not the a sensitive way of filling churches. But we will preach it because it's right there in your Bibles. He says the best way of winning this is to abstain. Look at how he says. He says, having your conduct honorable amongst gentiles who's the gentiles it's the people out in the world and we need to have our conduct the way that we live the way that we operate we need to have that honorable and i tell you when i look at the world today sometimes when i look at christians so-called children of god how they operate when they get into an environment of the world it's not honorable it's not honorable and we'll see in a minute why it's important now peter continues on Verse 13 He says, "Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man." See there? he talks about authority. He talks to us, he talks to children, Christians. He says, "Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to the governors." as to those who are sent by Him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good? For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a screen for evil, but as bond servants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the King." This is the Christian and authority that Peter talks to. What's the first thing he says? He says there that we need to submit ourselves to every. Everybody say every. What does every mean? It means every. (laughs) It means all of them. He says you need to submit to every ordinance. The word your ordinance means the rule of man. The rule of man. We need to submit to every rule of man for the Lord's sake. As Christians, we should be good citizens. That is what he means. We should submit to the government. Now I know, I know some people say, but what if you get a dictator which is ruling a land? What if you get a government? You know, we like to talk politics, and this is not a political sermon. But we like to say, this is not the party that we voted for. And when that party comes in and they change the rules of the land, we're not going to abide by that. And here, and the Bible is clear about it, who is in control of governments and so on that comes into power? It's God. He directs footsteps. Yes, we do have an option to vote in a democracy. But you see, God is part of a kingdom, an autocracy. Did I say that right? He's a king. And democracy is good. You've got your say. You go up to the ballot box and you vote. You vote for your political party. But if that party doesn't come in, it doesn't mean that you turn around now and you go down this motorway now at 200 kilometers an hour, and when that police officer pulls you over, you say, well, I didn't vote for this party. So your rules doesn't apply to me. Does that make sense? No. It does not. And here he says to us that we need to submit to every ordinance of these things. You cannot break the law just as you want to. Now, note this. Note this. If the government comes in and say to you that you need to do something which is sinful against the word of God, do you have to obey to that? No. I mean, let me give you a classic example. Governments has legalized prostitution. Is prostitution right according to the Word of God? No, it's a sin according to the Word of God, isn't it? So if the government now came in and said the rule of the land, it is no more wrong to do that. Does that mean that every Christian man and woman should now conduct in prostitution? No, we don't abide by that then. You don't have to do those things, which is not right. Let me give you another one abortion has been legalized. And I must say to you this morning that every single person who aborts a baby is a murderer. Is a murderer. And if you want to sit there and you say, well, I'm all for pro-choice and, and it's about the mother who has her choice about these things, let me tell this to you and let it, maybe it might be a shock to you, but let me tell you, not only the person who takes that baby out of the woman, killing that baby is a murderer, but the mother herself is a murderer because he, she made the decision not to get a life left. It's just true. Now, if this is now all of a sudden lawful, Why is it then that Christian young woman gets abortions? Oh, well, but I'm obeying the law of the land. I, I can do it. No, you're disobeying God's law. It doesn't mean we go up to the government now with everything they say that we don't agree with and now all of a sudden we want to take the government out. You can if you vote that way. But let me give you an example in the Bible. You remember in Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar, this great king? There were people coming to him, some of his servants, they said, because they observed that Daniel did not bow to the king, he prayed to God. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three men, they prayed to God, and they came to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they say, King, O oh King, why did not you bring in a rule, a law, that say, That if the music play on worship day, that everybody who hears the music needs to bow down and worship you king of kings and the big king of all. You know the history, don't you? You've read that. So here comes the big day and all of the people came together. And all of these people who who wanted to kill the Jews or the Jewish children, they were standing there and they were going to see what's going to happen now. And the king was sitting on his throne and all of a sudden you could hear the music playing. And when the music playing, all of the people bowed down to the king of the land. Who did not bow? Sadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They did not bow. So these men saw them and they told the king, they said to the king, didn't you bring a decree? Didn't you bring in a law that says that if the music plays, every man will bow down and serve you? He says, yes, I did. He said, but there's these three men down there who did not do it. And he got so few. The Bible says he got so angry. You see, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. He got them to come in front of Him and when they stood before Him, He asked Him, He said, didn't I not bring in this law, the rule? And this is the thing that I want to bring to your attention. You see, these men didn't come up to the king and say, Yes, you dirty, rotten king! You stinking king! They didn't do that. They didn't give him a bad attitude even. You know what the Bible says they did? Their words is written down there with reference to the king, respecting his position. They said to him, O king, O king, we've heard what you said. You put this down, but we cannot bow before you. We bow before God. Did they disrespect the authority? Did they? No, they did not. They did not. This was one law the king brought in, which was pushing them towards sin, which they disobeyed. And they were going to be killed for that. And let me say, if this world, because it is going to change, bring it in that Christians should sin, then I'd much rather die for that. They brought these men, and they, you know what happened, they threw them into the fiery furnace to burn But let me bring it a little bit closer to home. New Testament. You remember when Jesus was walking around and they came to him and they asked him the question about tax. The tax that people need to pay. Now I know a lot of Christians who try to take chances with tax. You know, if you we, if we don't have to pay the taxman every single thing, or if we can put something in in your returns, and the taxman gives us a little bit extra, they walk around and say, oh, you know, see what I've done. You know, the taxman, the same. You know, they came to Jesus and they said, shall we pay taxes? And what did Jesus do to Tiberius Caesar? Now, let me tell you something about Tiberius Caesar. He wasn't a good man. He was a cruel man. So Jesus at all the right here, if he wanted to teach the wrong thing, to sit around with the people and say to him, what do you mean to this cruel ruder, this Tiberius man, this cruel man? Why do you want to pay him taxes? Is that what Jesus said? No. No. You see, he showed this. In Matthew 22, verse 17, he says, they came to him and they said, tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Is it lawful? In other words, shall we as Christians have to abide by the authority of the land or not? Verse 18 says, but Jesus, aware of their malice, because, you know, they tried to trick him. He says, why put me to this test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. Very clever, isn't it? Jesus is so clever. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness, in other words, whose image And inscription is on this. And they said, like in their day when they printed coins, they printed the Caesar's face or his head on the coin. They said, it is Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore render to Caesar the king the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. What do we do with authority as children of God? We obey them. That's what he says. If, you, if the Caesar, if you're going to use the coin with the Caesar's face on it, then you give that Caesar the taxes that belongs to him. So Jesus is even showing us here that we need to submit ourselves to the ordinances of man. You can't. You know, As and again I say, Christians, we should be good citizens. Very good citizens. But... Christians want to break, you know, the law. And it says here, I want to focus you on verse 14. He says, or to the king as supreme, or to the governors. Who's got the biggest authority between those two? The king. These people have authority over people, but they stand under authority. This is an important principle of the word of God. Authority without authority above it leads to abuse. These people, he says, to governors and to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers' praise and for those who do good. So some people over the years ask me, but what about countries? What about countries like Iran, who doesn't worship God? What has those people got to do? First of all, if you're a Christian living in Iran, you obey the ordinance of man. You obey the government. But again, but again, You don't have to sin. If it comes to sin against God, then you can disobey that. So why does God then allow those governments to rule those lands and those countries? The Bible is very clear about it. The Lord will allow governments to come into place to punish the people. Why would He do that? Because they will not serve Him. They will not worship Him. And I'll tell you, brother and sister, we are so blessed in Australia. We are so blessed in New Zealand. If you think about these countries, New Zealand was sending out missionaries all over the world. Australia was doing it. You know, it was based and founded on the Word of God. America was based and founded on the Word of God. The Western, the Western societies and countries were based on the Word of God. And every country that was based on the Word of God had the protection of God. As soon as they go away from God, as soon as they bring in all of these sins against God, what will happen? He will just allow governments to come in to punish the people to punish the people so think about it it's not only the ballot box there is there is a higher god who is looking over all of this and allow things to happen he says there for this is the will of god that by doing this you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men now i like to just i just want to explain this for you in verse 16 he says in verse 16 as free what does it mean by that free free in sin so you know you can walk around and you say well i'm free i'm a child of god i'm born again and all of those things nothing on this earth applies to me and i can do whatever i will no you are bound by the law of the word as well he says they're free yet not as using liberty Your liberty as a screen for evil. So I can do evil things just as I want because I don't apply to the rule of land. I apply to the rule of law of of God. You can't do that, he says. But as bond servants of God, we honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Now look at verse 18. He's now bringing it more home. He says, servants. Will all the servants put up their hands? all of us now when he spoke back in those days they could relate this to servants working in their houses but we are servants of God now he says here servants be submissive to your masters with all fear not only to the good and the gentle but also to the harsh ones oh, we don't like to hear this one do we but you don't know my boss he's a terrible boss Do you have to be submissive to Him? He says it right there. He says, not only to the good ones, but also to the ones who are harsh with you. Be submissive to them. For this is commendable. If, because of the conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. How many of you have suffered wrongfully in your workplaces before? I have. You suffer wrongfully for that. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? Yeah, I've done something wrong. I deserve it. Yeah, bring it on. I deserve the punishment. But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before the Lord. Oh, but I know what happens. As a child of God, we pray and say, Oh, you know, this is, this is a road laid out with roses Christian life's going to be easy but you get persecuted and all of those things you've done nothing wrong what is the first thing people do they complain oh I don't know why this is happening to that you know that boss and all of this you know Peter's very clear here he talks about servants he talks about us if you are working for a boss he's talking to you in this respect and if you are a boss over some people, if you've got authority over some people, he's talking to you as well, because again, you stand under authority. If you say, well, I am you know, the CEO of the company, I report to nobody, well, you're reporting to God if you're a child of God. You're under authority. And he says to them, he says, you need to be submissive to your masters with all fear. And like I say, not only to the good ones, but the harsh ones as well. But we don't like it. We think it's not fair, is it? This is how we submit to authority, the Christian and authority. Again, if this boss comes to you and he wants you to stake something and to steal something or to hide in the numbers something when you do your report, do you have to do that? No. But listen, this is what he covers up there. Because you say no, it's stealing. It's a good thing that you don't do it then you will suffer wrongfully for that because he will become more harshly on you. You might even lose your job because of that. Because he is pushing so hard to get rid of you because you won't steal or you won't go down the way that he goes. Then if you lose it, then it's fine because it's still commendable before God. Just don't do the sinful things. But if the boss comes to you and he gives you a task to do and whether he's a harsh boss or you don't like the boss, are you going to say, I'm not going to do it? No, you're going to do it why as a good christian as a good citizen let's quickly continue on verse 21 he says for this you were called it's amazing isn't it for this you were called to what to submit to be a good citizen because christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps those are important words for me he suffered that he deserved to suffer no. Was he guilty? No. Was he innocent? Yes. Were they harsh to him? Yes. But he follow, we follow his steps. Who com- committed no sin, nor was the seed found in his mouth? Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return? When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judged righteously? Oh, I know, I know. When it's wrongfully done against us, what do we do? We threaten we threaten. He did not do that. Verse 24, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we may have died might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of his souls. So what do we need to do as Christians? We need to abide the authority over us. Now the question is, as we finish this morning, The question is why? Why? Why do we have to obey? Why do we patiently take the suffering if it comes to us harshly? Why do we do that? I want to give you three reasons. The first reason is for the sake of the lost. For the sake of the lost. This is not all about you. It's about people around you. And remember this. If this is the only thing you remember today, they are looking at you if you call yourself a child of god a christian i'll tell you what the magnifying glass is coming over you wherever you go in your workplace amongst your family who of you gave the lord saved your soul and then your family is not saved and you go out and you say to them guess what happened what what the lord saved my soul i'm a born again child of god and what does the family do what Really? Why? Because they remember all the naughty things you've done. And they go, you were saved? And the first thing they do is they put the magnifying glass on you. If you put one foot out of step, what do they say? Oh, you hold yourself so mighty and high. Oh, holier than I. But see, you've slipped up. Isn't it true? And this is it. We obey the authority. We obey God. We are good citizens. Why? For the sake of the lost. This is what he says there in verse 12. Having your conduct honor amongst the Gentiles. Gentiles means the lost ones. Gentiles is not the Christians. They watch your every move. In fact, Peter repeats this eight times in his two epistles. He reminds his... He's readers, who they are. They are the sojourners. They are the aliens. They are the Christians. And because they are that, he reminds them that the people are watching every move that they do. Now notice, he didn't say racist there, okay? This is Gentiles. It's everybody. He noticed that. And you know what, there's so many people, and I know, I know that what I'm going to tell you now, some people can use it as an excuse, but it is not an excuse. Because there's a lot of people outside of the church who says the church is full of what? Hypocrites. Yes? Actors. It's true. There is a lot of actors in the church. But that, th- does that give them an excuse not to come to church? No. Because every man, listen to me, every man will stand before God one day. Not as a group of people, but you will stand, not with your wife or your husband or your children, but you will stand before God and He will ask you, what have you done with your life? Not what have you said, what have you done? And here is the thing. If you proclaim to be a child of God, The responsibility of living a life amongst uh, the world is so immense upon you because they will look at you. I want to give you an example. Who knows uh, Gandhi? Gandhi. What did Gandhi die as? As a Christian or a Hindu? Who knows? He died as a Hindu. He died as a Hindu. This is his words when they interviewed him once. He was living in South Africa. South Africa was a racist land, black and white. He was an Indian man, but he was classified as a black man. He went, he wanted to go to a white church. And they said to him, you're not allowed in here. This man was so, he wanted to serve God. And you know what, he turned away from that. Again, I bring to you, brother and sister, that as a child of God, the world is looking upon you. How you react. How are you reacting in your workplace under submissive, whether the boss is harsh or not? And that might push somebody away from the cross, like him. They interviewed him. He says, oh, I don't reject your Christ. See, Hindus accept Christ. I love your Christ. It is just that so many of your Christians are so unlike your Christ that is a shame isn't it that is a shame that this man had to die as a hindu and is lost for eternity why because he had a bad experience and again i bring it back to you i'm not saying he's got an excuse because if gandhi stands before god the bible says you will serve no other gods if he stands before god elohim he will be guilty And he can't stand there and say, yeah, but it was those people in South Africa. That's no excuse. I get that. But brother and sister, if somebody, because there's a war going on for our souls, from who? Satan is also using every single vice that he can. And if he can use you as a child of God to disobey the authority in front of somebody who is to the point where they want to accept Christ or the Holy Spirit is coming to them. Don't let your life become an excuse for them to walk away and say, yeah, but that guy said he's such a big Christian. But look at him. He's stealing from his work. The Bible says thou shalt not steal and there's a law of the land that says you will not steal. Is that true? If you take somebody's car now, what happens? Without their permission, it's stealing. What will they do to you? They will find, well, you know, in the old days they will put you in jail. These days they slap you over the fingers and give you six months suspended sentence. And if you're under 18, they let you go within two hours and you can do it again. Not Christians there. Can you see why it is important to obey the law? It's for the sake of the law. Secondly, why it's for the Lord's sake. It's for the Lord's sake. He says it there in verse 13, Therefore submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. You say, why for the Lord's sake? Why? What does that mean? It's because Christians, you and I, are representatives of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? When you go into your workplace, you are representing Jesus there. When you're going into the world, you are representing Jesus in the world. When you, when you obey the law, you are representing Him. He's, he's in you. The Bible says He's in us, through His Holy Spirit. Now, if you say you're a child of God, and you say that the Spirit of God came and lived inside of us, then we obey the law, the authorities. Why? For the Lord's sake. We don't want to become the laughing stock of the world, do we? And sometimes I must say, I look at some things that happen that break over the news in the newspapers and so on and people who proclaim to be children of God and I'm ashamed of what they are doing. Are you? There's a lot of things. And I want to say that they are not doing it for the Lord's sake. They are doing it for their own sake. And then finally this morning, Sharia, can you call your mom? Finally this morning, first of all we said, it is for the sake of the lost remember they are looking at you if you break the law they're going to say but I thought you were a child of God secondly it is for the Lord's sake we represent God in this world and then finally why why should we obey the authorities it is for our own sake for your own sake for the sake of the lost for the sake of the Lord for your sake we obey the law well let me just put it to you if you don't obey the law what's going to happen you're going to get a lot of fines yes that's in a practical way practical living you might even land up in jail if you break the law you know if you, if you kill somebody is there a law in this land that says you, you're not allowed to kill somebody is there one yes what will happen if you walk up to somebody and kill them they'll put you in jail isn't it right because you didn't obey the law in the, uh, chapter 2 verse 18 he says, servants, be submissive to your own masters with all fear, not only for good and gentle but also for the harsh. We've, we've discussed this scripture verse. He says, we do this, we obey these things. Why? For it is commendable, It is praiseworthy. Even for the wrong things, you know, wrongfully, if you do things right and they come and they are harsh to you because you've done things right, it's commendable. It's praiseworthy to you. You will stand one day before God and the world might have treated you wrongfully, but you held on. You submitted to authority. You praise God. What will happen? He will count you praiseworthy. Who wants to be praiseworthy before God? That's what he says. So three things that you remember today. We submit to authority. The Bible says that. No Christian should not do. We do it for the sake of the lost. Remember wherever you go. We do it for the Lord's sake and we do it for our own sake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. and Father, we thank you that your word is directing us to obey authority. And that's what we want to do, Lord. We want to submit ourselves to our master's in the places where you've placed us, Lord.